Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome back to Training Well Done, your show on the what, the why, and the how of good quality training. Back with your host, Coach Donald here. Yo, what's going on, y'all? It is the middle of December, and my car is buried outside right now. I've been at home for days, and while I am not much of a homebody, and we are on a shutdown order, so I'm at home way more than usual, and I hate being at home like this, my car, being like buried in the snow, oddly makes me feel better about the entire situation. It's like, man, I want to go to the store. Like, man, I just want to like get in my car. But then I look at it and I'm like, it's buried. There's nothing I can do with it. So that's been fun. But like the car being buried in the snow decreases my anxiety about being in a house. Like I'm not one that really has a lot of anxiety in general. But being in a house cooped up makes me anxious. Like if I'm in a house for like two days straight, by day three, I'm like itching and bouncing off the walls and starting to question if I'm even a person in life anymore. That hasn't happened yet. So maybe the snow is helping this out. So training, what have I been doing recently? Um, We've done a lot of virtual workouts. So the gym, my gym, Global Human Performance, we um, are all virtual right now outside of some running that we do outside that we're not doing right now because it's the snow and ice on the ground. But we are we do virtual workouts on Zoom as part of our remote program. And so with the shutdown, we increased how many we do. So we have like two workouts a day. So I've been getting it in. Your boy been getting it in with the at-home workouts. Um, you know, nice, good, high intensity. You get a lot done in 35 minutes. Oh, I tell you. People be like, man, I don't have two hours to go to the gym. I don't have an hour and a half to go to the gym. You don't need that much time. If you think about it, going out for like a 35-minute run, depending on how fast you are, you know, that's anywhere from uh, three to four miles. So it's a decent workout. You can get done in 35 minutes. Uh, you get a good workout lifting weights twice. Recently, I did a run with one of our members, Angela, and this was uh, thinking about a fun run that I've done. We went running through Frick Park, and it, you know, every now and again, it feels good to just go completely unscripted, no plan, no route. Well, I had a route in mind, but she had a different route in mind, but the, that neither one of those things really happened, right? And you just go out and you just start running, and you just see what happens, and it makes me really grateful for these legs of mine and runners around the world, athletes, if you're listening to this, be grateful for being an athlete because other people are not athletes. And what I'm finding, I've, I've, I've seen this over the years, but as I get older, it just settles more that people that are not athletic or not fit, they just don't have the same freedom to move around in life that you do if you have a good amount of endurance or just athlete athletic and coordinated you can just do more with your life just freedom of movement so be grateful because you know there's some extent you're just born with it right some people are just born with this great level of uh, coordination and fitness other people everybody listen everybody can be fit everybody can become some sort of endurance athlete you might not be great but everybody can become something.
I'm recording this at home, and so there's, like, noises out there. So, this run that we went on, there was this rope, and it's like this old slag hill, for those of you who don't know, which I hardly know. Slag is like this sort of byproduct from old, like, mining and steel mill stuff. It's like a mix of, I don't know, actually, we don't know, it's like rocks, but like, I was going to say metal, but technically, if we're going to think about the periodic table, rocks and metal, the metal is the same thing. Metals, metal actually qualifies as a lot of things, right? Anyways, I'm not going to go there. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but it's this big ass, it's this big old heap of hill of slag, which is stuff, right? It's been there for decades and there's a rope on there and it, it goes up like maybe 60 meters, uh, okay, I might be exaggerating. It might be like 40 meters. <laughs> I don't know. It was a pretty high hill. And you get on the rope, and you have to... And it's a very, very steep incline. I'm not exaggerating about that. Very, very, very steep incline. Like, you cannot run up it. You might slide down. And also, like, it's this slaggy thing. So you might slide down, but it's really steep. You can't run up there. So you hold the rope, and you climb, and you walk yourself up. Not, like, terribly challenging or anything like that. But it was fun. And it was like, I never did this on a run before. Like, I did a Tough Mudder. Oh, my God, I'm getting old. That was seven years ago I did that Tough Mudder in 2013 when I was in college. But I did a Tough Mudder. I did crazy stuff. But since then, that was probably the most exhilarating part of a run that required me to do something that wasn't running. And then we just ran around. We got lost and just kept running. We were we didn't get lost in the sense we didn't know where we were. We just didn't know exactly where we were. I'm sure you've probably had that experience. You're out running a new course, and you generally know where you're at, direction-wise, or you know, but you don't know exactly where you are. And so we added probably easily a half a mile, a mile of just trying to figure out where we were going and up down this skinny trail through this bike trail we popped out like oh look here and then it's like this really worn down is it really a trail like one of those trails that's definitely not a running trail but probably like a walking trail one of those teenage walking trails you know the teenagers have these little cuts and they just kind of make shortcuts do things so they're like kind of worn down but not worn down enough to take note of but not enough to like oh that's definitely a trail went down there boom back on the main trail and then there was this other trail that is a real trail. It's a bike trail. And it was along this ledge. So we're in Frick Park, for those of you who are in Pittsburgh, by the way. It's Frick Park. And this is over towards the direction of Nine Mile, I believe, behind the Irish Center. And so there's this big valley. There's a creek. I didn't know there was a creek there at all. You didn't know there was a creek there, maybe. And it's like this huge like valley and we we go around the trail we get on the other side of the valley and you're literally running along this ledge you, you it's not big enough for two people to fit side by side and i don't mean like oh two people to run comfortably side by side i mean it's so narrow that two people can't stand there side by side so we're running through there and it was awesome we popped out and like oh this is the irish center how did i pop out over here so definitely a fun run i am uh, thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share this podcast with another athlete that you know, somebody who needs to hear this stuff. So the show has changed. I'm trying to go back to our shorter style that they started with, with like the 20 to 30 minute episodes, preferably closer to 20, versus they started getting away with like 45, 50 on the solos. Now the interviews are always going to be like 50 minutes. 
But the solo episodes, I want them to be short and sweet. Tell you a little story, what's going on with life, and then talk about the main subject. And we're going to get on that later. So, as you read in the description, yo, your core is not just your stomach. It is one of these misnomers that is probably not going to go away. Your core is not just your stomach. Like, if you have a bomb six-pack, that does not mean you have a really strong core. If you have a really strong core, though, you might have a bomb six-pack. But that's not a guarantee. So, why do people call the stomach the core? And what does the core mean? So, core, you know, based on the definition and what and how it's used, generally refers to the center of something. So... With understanding the right kind of philosophy of what people mean by that, your core, your midsection, like your core is the middle of you. And so if that's strong, then you're strong, right? And for all intents and purposes, yeah, but it's more what people think, right? When, especially like think about high school, middle school athletes, you got like high school track, high school track coach, yeah, core work, core work, core work. And it's like legitimately like all sit-ups. And it's more than that, y'all. It's, it's way more than that, right? So the muscles that people generally look at for the core are your rectus abdominis, right? That's like the lowest level of what people think of core. Usually, I'll give you, I'll give you the rectus abdominis and the obliques, right? Most people, just general rule of thumb, and it's okay. Like, if you don't study this stuff, I don't expect you to know that the core is way more than that. You know, if that's not your thing, you don't need to... I don't, you're not expected to know that. So no shame to you, except for people who are professionals or like quasi professionals, you should know this. But so the average person, here's the word core, it's the stomach and the obliques, right? Somebody knows another thing or two, they might include your lower back, right? And so what, what those muscles are, so your six pack abs, you have several, you have several types of abs, you have your rectus abdominis, those are your six pack, those are the most superficial um, abdominal muscles. That's why they show up and they connect from your rib cage down to, it's called the linguinal ligament. So if you were to, um, put your hands to the very bottom of your stomach, right to where it starts to meet your hips, right where the crease is. So they connect to there. And so essentially, practically they connect your rib cage to your hips. Okay. Then you also have your obliques, which connect up again, along your rib cage and along a piece of fascial tissue like fascial tissue is it's the same type of collagen tissue as your tendons right in your knee but it's organized a little differently so you have on your lower back you have a big fascial tissue piece and it's a bunch of tissue that doesn't contract but it helps hold things steady and keeps flow through your body so anyways your obliques connect there on the side and they connect down to the top of your pelvis, to this linguinal ligament, so that you know you're able to move side to side, right? So it connects the upper rib cage and your lower back, I mean in your spine, to your hips, okay, muscularly. So when you think about your core, like those muscles are important. Like that's a your organs are there, so there's a very big gap between like the upper part of your torso and your hips. So it would make sense that you need those muscles to be strong. And Yes, you need those muscles to be strong. So I want to make sure that that's really clear, that you need those muscles to be strong. Now, it's more than that. So I want you to really walk away with that piece. And we're going to talk about what else I call the core, right? But it is important to be strong 
I like to look at this as the entirety of your trunk. Okay, so anatomically, your trunk is this whole part, basically from the bottom of your neck to your butt. Okay, and your trunk is that whole midsection, right, which is different from the core just because when people talk about the core, they're really talking about the stomach and the area around it. When I'm talking about the trunk, I'm talking about the entire part of the middle of your body that your limbs attach to. So that's your shoulders, that's your upper back, that's your chest, that's your lower back, your middle back, that's your stomach, that's your obliques, that's also your hips. And so your core is all of that, right? Just because you have a strong, a strong stomach doesn't mean you have a strong core. If, if your upper back is weak, then you don't have a strong core. I don't give a damn how many sit-ups you can do, right? You can do 500 sit-ups in, I don't know, 10 minutes. If your upper back is weak, you don't have a strong core. Um, also, if your lower back is super strong and your upper back is super strong, but your abdominal muscles are weak, well, then you also still don't have a strong core, right? So uh, the third abdominal muscle, you have your transverse abdominus, right? So you have this big, if you reach around to your lower back, you have a big piece of fascial tissue, right? And there's this, you can feel, you can feel this really stiff area around your spine. So you have your transverse abdominus that run, they run, they're the deepest layer of your abs and they run um, longitudinally, so around your body, right? And they help control and influence you moving side to side in a rotational fashion. So think about turning your body to the right, turning and facing to the left. So they help with influencing that, okay? Now, the bet, a lot of people don't know about those abs. And so when we look at, for me, looking at trunk training and core training, rotational work is so important in being able to coordinate the power and movement of these muscles, right? Um, stability, so that is getting into a stable position and then making yourself unstable with something. So I love to do payoff presses. Take a cable or a band to a pole, and then you put a lot of tension on it by walking away from the center, and you press it out and away from you, and it makes your body have to use those muscles to re-straighten yourself, right? Plank variations, any type of plank variation that requires you to get on one hand or um, move through that plank is going to require you to work on these muscles. Now, quick to give you a run-through about the rest of the core. So your lower back, the strength of your lower back matters a lot. When people say you shouldn't use your back to lift, what that really means is you should not use your back to lift. You're like, yo, Donald, you literally just said the same thing. When you're lifting, your back is activated. It's meant to keep you stable to be able to help you brace. So when you brace, I like to think about squeezing a brick in my stomach, right? And so when you brace, you feel your stomach get tight, but also your lower back needs to have tension, when people get caught up hurting their lower back, it's because their lower back is not tense. And then they're bending over in a position that their hips are no longer in position to help. So if you think about like somebody deadlifting or picking something up and you bend over and your butt's all the way up in the air, but you're still bent over, your glutes can't do any work for you. But if you're bent over the wrong way, your lower back is also not tense. And then you're in a stretch position trying to pick something up by looping yourself up in those stretch muscles in your back or in that tension of whatever you're picking up, you have a lot of torque 
on there. And those muscles don't like it, and so you get pain. Um, think about, when I say torque, think about how much harder it is to swing, like, a spoon. Like, okay, not a spoon. Take, like, a cooking spoon, right? And you hold it with two hands, and you swing it, and you don't notice anything. But then you take, like... Um, a golf club and you extend it out and you try to swing it and you're like yo this is way heavier that kind of torque right that's what you do to your back when you when your butt is up and you're bent over like that it's like trying to swing a golf club instead of swinging a kitchen spoon so (laughs) your up back also matters when it comes to being able to brace and hold position and maintain the sway of your shoulders without letting and not let your shoulders sway too much when you're running, when you're playing a sport, when you're just trying to rotate and move, like I'm sitting in a chair, if I want to rotate and move, well, the ability for my upper back to actually rotate, create that tension, that's a part of the core. Like if your upper back is too stiff, then you're not going to really be able to move. And if it's too stiff, you might uh, get uncomfortable from all of the bouncing of running or like if you're cutting and you're playing a sport like ultimate frisbee you can't really open up and rotate if and, and make a cut good if your upper back's locked up and tight no matter how many sit-ups you can do so you're still gonna have a weak core and you're still not going to be able to move very well um so that's like your traps your lats your rhomboids and so being able to be able to pull those shoulder blades back lift those shoulder blades up depress them a bit and then, you know, being able to take the middle of your back and rotate from side to side, that's all a part of improving your trunk and your core, right? Then, importantly, your hips. People sleep on that. If you think about most, even core, most core exercises, your hips are actually a part of even being able to do them, right? Holding a plank, your hips have to be strong enough to be able to help assist in keeping you level, if you're trying to do sit-ups, I hate to break it to you, but sit-ups, your hip flexors, if they're not strong enough, you ain't going to do too many sit-ups, right? Um, your hip flexors, when we talk about muscles that connect the middle of your body to your limbs being your core, like your trunk, your hip flexors connect from the spine to your femur. So like literally from your spine onto that big leg bone and then also you have hip flexor muscles that come off of the pelvis so if you put your hands on the side of your butt like your pelvis on the inside of those bones there are muscles that attach to that uh femur leg the femur is the big thigh bone right and so that's a part of your core weak hip flexors you can't run with weak hip flexors you might hurt yourself first of all but you're not going to be able to get any knee lift when you're running so as a runner especially like a sprinter Anybody who needs to do anything fast or do anything for a long time, you have to be able to, if you caught that, that's everybody, you have to be able to lift your thigh up, right? And the stronger those hip flexor muscles are, then the less work it takes to lift your leg up every single step, okay? So that's a big part of your core that people be sleep on. Like, I mean, just knocked out cold. Your hip flexors matter so, so, so much. And so many high school and middle school athletes do not work on their hip flexors. Those muscles, you, I want you to do a thing. Lay on the ground flat, okay? Then take your right leg, and I want you to lift your le- right leg up straight to the sky. Head down like you're laying flat, and you're going to just lift your left leg or your right leg up. Try to do that 50 times, okay? 
if you tap out by like 25 or 30, you need to work on those. If you can get 50 of those, kudos. But you need to be able to have hip flexor strength for the sake of your actual, you know, spine, right? Your and it also influences the ability for your glutes and hamstrings to work. So, you need all that to be strong. Your hips also, your glutes, right? You have your glute max, which is like the big part of your butt, right? And that's where a lot of the power comes from when it comes to running and cutting and, and jumping and playing sports. And those muscles matter. Why? Because they connect up onto your pelvis and partially to like your, your sacrum, like this whole hip complex to where your lower back meets. Like your glutes help with stabilizing all of that. If you have a weak butt, you have a weak core. Again, it doesn't matter how long you can hold a plank for. You can hold a plank for eight minutes. If your butt's weak, you're weak. You have your glute medius, your glute minimus. You have your hip external rotators. These are all these muscles, if you want to, if you will, um, like the top of your butt, so to say. And those muscles, outside of anatomically just making your legs go out to the side, they're a part of the stability for you. So if, to stand on one leg and go down and up, right to run and when you think about running you're unstable you're pushing from one instability to the next right you're on one leg you jump to the next leg you jump to the next leg the strength of those glutes is what's going to help with the stability of your body if you have weak glutes you're not going to be able to actually run with any stride because your body's going to be real hesitant about pushing off right if your glutes are weak you're not going to be able to have a good push off and I recently just had an athlete who we've been recovering from that um, glute meads weren't uh, being as optimal, probably just overworking with uh, just track or with cross country, um, needing to for us to focus on more strength for that. And so slowly she had a, a, an injury build up to where she did a big race. Hip flexor was in he a hell of pain. But as we, as myself and AT went through, uh, taking her through some tests and some exercises, I realized, oh, like your glutes are really not doing, the, not doing the best job. And it, her hip flexors were trying to overcompensate. And so as she's been recovering, you know, she had this hobble for a while, for a few weeks. And then the hobble went away, went away, went away. We strengthened all that, worked on that stability to the point now where she can start to sprint again. And that's all because, you know, that's partially not all, but largely in part due to those glutes. And that influences your core. Again, the kid can hold a plank for a long time. She can throw her body weight around. She can deadlift for a, nine, a ninth grade um, cross-country runner. She can deadlift 100 pounds. She can do a plank for several minutes. She can do sit-ups upon sit-ups upon sit-ups. But those glutes, those glutes got her. So... I want you to consider all of that. When you think about the core, it's not just your stomach or your obliques. It includes your lower back. It includes your upper back. It includes the strength of your shoulders, right? We didn't talk too much about this, but if you're uh, an athlete that plays a sport that involves a lot of throwing, the strength and mobility of your shoulders is going to matter a lot in how well you can throw. If you can't rotate your shoulders, if you can't rotate from side to side, and you can't get your arm to be able to have a full circular motion, then you're lacking up there. So I want you to think about how your shoulders, your upper back, your lower back, yes, your obliques, and yes, your, you know, your six-pack abs, your rectus abdominis, 
all play a role in your core strength, right? In your trunk strength, how your hips play a role in that from your glutes to your hip flexors, right? Including, don't forget, those transverse abs. So I want you to take a look at that because that really helps reshape how you train. So when you think about, oh, it's my core day or this block of exercises, I'm going to do more trunk stuff. Incorporating more exercises that work on your hip flexors, that work on your shoulders, that work on the mobility of your middle back to be able to rotate, that work on your hip mobility. Your hip mobility training and having range of motion through your hips is going to help your core, even if you don't do a single sit-up. Say that again. Doing hip mobility drills and improving your active range of motion, not being stretched, but your active range of motion, can you lift your leg up and over this hurdle, is going to help your trunk and core strength and stability as much or probably more than if you just did like 300 sit-ups. So I want you to keep that in mind as you reshape how how your training looks uh, due to that. Also, um, I would be remiss if I did not add this strength coach favorite. Being a good squatter and deadlifter requires a good core strength, right? In order to create the bracing ability to squat and deadlift well, you have to have a strong core. And it actually trains those muscles. You have isometric tension in those uh, abdominals and that back to help with bracing for that. People sleep on doing lower body exercises and, and how that contributes to core training. When you think about this the trunk in general, any type of free weight training requires, if you're going to do the free weight training well, I should say, it's going to require good strength and stability in that trunk. So I hope that was really helpful to you. Please um, drop a line if you have any questions. You can, uh, if you're listening to this, you can always find me on Instagram at coach underscore Donald. This show goes as training underscore well underscore done on Instagram. So you can find the show on there. You can email me, Donald at GHperformance.com. Or if you like want to email the podcast, you can email trainingwelldone at gmail.com. But don't do that. Coming down the pipe, we have an interview um, that's going to be released soon with Tony Kengor of Relentless Runners. And we talked a good bit about mindset when it comes to training, knowing when to put the foot on the gas, knowing how to listen to your body and turning it off. So make sure you stay tuned for that's going to drop next week. Um, make sure you check out the last episode that just came out. We did an episode with uh, Mr. Andrew Johnson. He was a runner at the University of Miami, played football down there. He was one of the best runners in the country coming up as a youth through high school. He's in the North Hills Hall of Fame. Um, he talked about the elite championship mindset. What kind of mindset do you need to go in and dominate? And So if you're competitive or you're trying to breed a competitor, you need to go listen to that episode, all right? Hey, we're snowed in. If up here in the Northeast, we're snowed in. I don't know where you're at. Um, but if you're looking for some at-home workouts you need to do, check out our program, GHP On Demand. Myself, my assistant coach, Kyla, have created a lot of workouts on there. We have over a dozen workouts on there for you to be able to do at home. They're low to no equipment. We have high, moderate, low. I'm sorry. Yeah, high, moderate, low uh intensities for the workouts they are all 20 to 30 minutes long so something you can really do every day we have a lot of our athletes do that as a part of their training as well um you know just to supplement different things they want to try that right people like that platform so we make it work but check it out it's a lot of fun 
go to the website www.ghperformance.com. You'll find the online coaching. You're going to scroll to the bottom of that. You'll see free GHP on demand. You just boom, pop your email in there. You get an autoresponder with the link to get in. Get in and sign up. It's free. It's a public resource. So, you know, share it with a friend. And also, I'm going to leave you with this. So we started doing something new um, with our assessments. And so we're doing a performance report. We have our GHP performance report. So before we would typically just do like a short strategy call with people, we actually are now getting people to do a full-on 45, 50-minute um, strategy call to where we're figuring out what is it that you need to be focusing on for your training and building an outline of what that training should look like. So in our performance report, we're going to talk to you about your strengths. We're going to talk to you about your setbacks and challenges. We're going to talk about um, what your actual goal is and what are the metrics going to look like in you achieving that goal. And then we're going to put together you know, an outline of what that plan looks like based on your schedule, your lifestyle, what you want to do. And so we're going to hand you a document that's like, well, email you a document that's going to literally highlight, all right, I need to focus on this and that. These are my priorities for training. This is what needs to happen. And you can go to town with it. So if you're interested in that, go check out the website. Again, www.ghperformance.com. You can simply just um, click on any of the landing pages if you feel like one of those fits your MO, you know, adult recreational athlete. If you're a remote athlete and you're like, yo, I don't even live in Pittsburgh, dog. We can still work with you. So you go on there, um, sign up for that performance report, and you know we can get a crack in and make sure that you know what you need to do. So um, thank you. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Follow me on the Grizzam. I have some more work to do today, but I want to get this out to you. All right. So stay warm, stay safe. Don't catch no COVID. Um, don't give no COVID. And you know, be blessed. Holla.